I was not born into a Christian home, but rather a heathen place. I was reared in an atmosphere that was far from anything uh, spiritual or biblical. My parents were married my dad seven times, my mom three or four times. There's a lot of experiences I went through as a child that prepared me to share with you my testimony. And sometimes it's hard to decide what, what to share, but this morning I just wanted you to know that God can save anybody through the power of the Holy Spirit and the witness of Jesus Christ under His blood. When I was 16 years old in my own home, I could smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, gamble. It's a place of profanity. And... I guess when I was about 18, I thought maybe I can do better than this. I had an ambition to do better than this, but I didn't really know what the answer was. I left home and uh, stayed away a while, and I came back, and I saw a a girl working at a a peach packing shed near our town, I asked the guy that was running the place, I said, who is that? He told me who she was, and I said, well, I knew who she was because we rode the same bus. We were nine years old, and then I didn't really know her. I just knew her name and had seen her because she was a little younger than I was, but she caught my eye. So I went over and said, how about uh, let's go somewhere on a date tonight? We, you know, I know nowadays people hang out. In, in my generation, we had dates where we asked people to go, and you went and picked them up and all that kind of thing. And she said, I'd love to go out and have a good time with you. But my mom and daddy would never let me go off with you. And I thought, I, just, I knew my, what my reputation was because it was well-deserved. So she surprised me, though, because I knew her dad was a deacon at the First Baptist Church. and She had been in church all her life, whereas I'd never been to church. Never went to a church for worship or study or anything uh, except maybe a funeral or a wedding. And... Uh, she surprised me because I didn't know this. She was in rebellion to God and her her mother and daddy and the church. And she said, but if you'll get somebody to pick me up, I'll meet you somewhere. I thought, okay, we're in business now. So we snuck around and dated like that for uh, a few weeks. And, then, and really a romance developed out of that that was wholesome. And... I went uh, and talked to her mom and dad, and her brothers spoke good on my behalf, and and uh, she had a positive effect on me. Um, after three years of romance, we married, and uh, we still, though, were living on the wild side when it comes to the secular, wild living with the drinking and uh, partying and what have you, and so. Uh, after three years of that one night, she was invited to go to a church to play a musical instrument, or the lady she was going with was going to play an instrument, 
And my wife went with her because it was not in a safe neighborhood. She went there to just to provide companionship with her friend in a dark parking lot and all. And she heard the songs of the faith. She heard the preaching of the gospel. And she recommitted her life to Christ. If you had seen me in those days, I would look somewhat like I am now, dressed in this manner. I had a business on Broad Street in Augusta, Georgia. And you would say, this guy's got it all together. But really, on the inside, I had nothing. It was just a rotten and corrupt person that I was. The, the, the outside was a facade. I had a good job. We were doing well financially. But uh, our life was really empty. I began to see her as she began to worship, and she told me, I'm going this way while we had been going that way. I'm telling you, she made a 180-degree turn. And for a couple of months, people called me and bugged me and got after me from the church. They said, come to church, come to church, come to church. And I said, man, I got hunting and fishing on Saturday and Sunday. I had the keys to one of the best plantations on the Savannah River in South Carolina that you could imagine. And I've helped with the hunting and fishing to manage some of it and weekends. I just didn't have time for church. But the preacher kept out to me, Robbie. He said, uh, called me on the phone one day and he said, we need you to come and worship with your wife. And I said, well, I'm tired of y'all calling me. And I'll be just straight up with you. I'm sick of it. I'm not a church guy, and I want to know what's it going to take to get y'all to leave me alone. And he said, well, why don't you come to church? I said, man, if I had an opening in sales, I'd hire you because you have the persistence to get it done. Now, I said, tell me, seriously, what is it going to take? And he said, if you'll come to church one time, I'll leave you alone. I said, you'll leave me alone forever. He said, that's right. You'll call off the, 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 the choir and the Sunday school, and everybody else who called Ben called me, he said, yes, I will. So I went, got dressed up one Sunday morning, and I tell you, it was probably the first time in seven or eight years on Sunday that I wasn't either hung over or already started drinking again on the next day. And when I got in that church, I was sober, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I was dressed up and went in there and sat down, sat in the middle of the place there on the aisle, and Preacher came in there and he was an evangelist. That had, they had just said, I thought God had set a trap for me when it was over because he gave his testimony. It was very much like the one I just shared with you. But he told about four or five things. He said, number one, a man is a sinner. I could, I could relate to that and agree with that. And he said, God is holy. I had been around enough chapel sessions at school and with my friends in a small town where I was raised to know things about God, and I knew who Jesus was, and some things about the Bible, but just by casual contact with it. So I knew he made a point, man is a sinner, God is holy. And then he said, a sinful man cannot enter into the presence of a holy God. And I said, no sin can enter into the presence of a holy God. How could I ever have a relationship with God? And I began to listen and think. He talked about God being a, a, a heavenly Father. And he wanted to have a relationship with us. And I thought, I never knew my dad very much at that point in my life. I said, I could have a daddy. I could have a father. And so he, he, he talked about eternal life that is, comes 
when you trust Jesus Christ and by faith you believe and confess it with your mouth and you can be saved. The simplicity of salvation is amazing. You can, this may be the first time somebody in here came to church and heard the gospel, but there it was in a nutshell. Man is a sinner, God is holy. Sinful man cannot enter in the presence of God except by faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood, His resurrection, His virgin birth. I believe it all. And so, when He said, you can have what I have, if you'll just tell God you want to get rid of your sins and have a relationship through Jesus and have a Heavenly Father. And I got up and took off. I said, man, that's what I need. I mean, I couldn't even stay where I was at. And went down. I did not know there was a time of invitation. You know, they'd come in a time when they would invite you to come forward. I just went down there and said, I want what you got. I'm ready. And so we prayed right there on like a corner of a pew. And when I stood up, I was as saved as a man could get. And I'm telling you, I was excited about it, and I still am. It's been a long time ago. I was 25 then, and I'm, be, uh, I'm 70 now, so you know it's been a long time. But I'll tell you, when I went to work Monday morning, I told the people I got saved. And I'm, I'm going to change all the things that I've been doing. And I explained to them how I felt and what I believed of, uh, about the convergence. See, I didn't know everything in the Bible. You don't have to. You just have to know two things, man. Jesus saves and you'll never see a holy God in heaven unless you believe Jesus can save you. You confess it with your mouth and, and confirm it. You are going to be as saved as a person yet. The Bible says whosoever. So today may be your day. That was my day. And that worked that next day. The guy said, well, if you're going to be uh, a church man, you're going to have to give your money to the church. And I had never given anything to anybody. I'd always been pouring it through our lifestyle and all, and saving a little and just living, living trying to enjoy having money because we grew up poor. And there we had some. And so I said, if that's part of the Christian walk, being a Christian and pleasing God, I want I I to be a part of it. So I called that preacher that Monday, and I said, will you come to our house and talk about the, the, the things it takes to live to please God and give us a little tutorial on how to be a good Christian. And so he said, I come there tonight. So he came over there that very night. And he told us a lot of stuff. And we answered questions. When he got around to the money thing, he explained to me about the tithe, about God's economy. And it's like salvation. It's pretty simple. And as I'll share with you in just a minute, the way... Uh, God does things, and um, we left there that night uh, much more informed. But one of the things he talked about was the tithe, and he was just talking about the tithe being important and uh, and giving to the church offerings and all. And I asked him, I said, "Well, if a man gives more than the tithe, does that?" Is that pleasing to God? And he said, man, God is always blessing people to have, give offerings. And he's quoted Scripture and kind of gave me a simple little uh, ex- testimony about some people he knew 
that had given a lot of money. So I left their uh, conversation with the idea that, hey, maybe we'll get to give more money than just a tithe. But that's what, that became the desire of our heart. My wife and I were together on that, and we still are. Uh, it's interesting to note the other day, she got a check from uh, Colorado for uh, a, uh, several thousand dollars from an aunt she never knew. And immediately, immediately, she sat down when she posted that deposit, she wrote a check for, uh, I think it was a $10,000 check, and she wrote a check for $1,000 to the First Baptist Church of Hazelhurst. She said that's the first fruits of that, and she didn't even know she was going to get that check. It just came after a couple of letters had come in saying they were doing something. We didn't know what it was. Okay, I learned that night, the first day, I got it right about the financial situation in a biblical manner. And so we began to give and uh, biblically, and the Lord blessed us. And so we, we doubled our income in a short time, and, and I got better jobs because I was young and I was getting promoted. So, so you know, you think, well, that would have happened anyway. Well, I don't know. Some things that happened, I think, was supernatural, but... Uh, it was all blessings from God, and, and I think uh, part of it was the fact that we wanted to please Him and we were trying to live that way. So, uh, when the time came for me to go into ministry, I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a pastor. I was licensed to the ministry in 1989 at Rehoboth Church in Tucker, Georgia, and I went from 1989 to 2000 before I ever became a minister. But God called me to form a ministry to preach about stewardship. And so that's how I arrived here. But I may tell you lots of things about finances, and I can help you in many ways because I learned over the years in my business world and things, the experience I had. But there's nothing more important than your faith. So I, I want to just put it out there. No matter what I say in the next few minutes, if your soul is not committed to salvation through faith in Christ before a holy God, if you were to die today and you're not sure that you'd go to heaven, today is the day of salvation. You'll have a chance to make a commitment if you would like to make it publicly, and that would be great. But the salvation is a simple process. God intended it to be that way. I want to say a few things about what the Bible says about tithing because it's been so important in my life. He's called me to even preach on it. And this is what we found out as we studied through the years and we practiced our faith. We lived it. I learned that the Bible says Abraham commenced the tithe. That was the first mention of the tithe is in uh, Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek, and he said he gave him a tithe of all. If you come on through Genesis 2, uh, 28, chapter 28, and verse 20, where, where it tells about uh, the context is Jacob's ladder, the dream he had. And when he awakened from the dream and he set a pillar, uh, for a stone for a pillar to mark the place. He prayed a prayer to God and he prayed in that prayer 
that uh, the last phrase of it says, Of all thou shalt give to me, I shall surely give the tenth to thee. Meaning he's going to give God 10% as uh, was uh, being recognized as a tithe. Jacob committed it. And then Moses codified it. When he wrote the Pentateuch, the books, the first books in the Bible, he wrote into the uh, instructions for living, which by the way, a lady in Lilburn told me, B-I-B-L-E stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. So if you believe this Bible, that's what it is. You stay with it, it will never fail you. The Word of God is inerrant and infallible. And uh, it's so powerful. It's changed your life. It can change your life today in an instant as it did mine. I'm a living proof and I believe uh, completely uh, in what this book says about the way it can change your life. So Moses codified it. He wrote it into a code for living for the Hebrew people. And uh, one of the Scriptures that he wrote uh, in Leviticus chapter 27, the last phrase in it is, the tithe is holy unto the Lord. Would you say that with me? The tithe is holy unto the Lord. Would you say that with me again? I couldn't hear you. The tithe is holy unto the Lord. Understand that, and it will take you a long way in your spiritual life. And we move on to Malachi in chapter 3. This is one of probably the most uh, applicable Scripture to talking about tithing where the people were cursed with a curse and God said, uh, return unto me and I will return unto you. And He was calling the people back to obedience in one sense and saying He would bless them if they would be obedient. And uh, when you think about it, He was talking about giving back to me and I will be returning uh, to you, and it says that in, uh, in verse 10. And, and one phrase in that verse says, Bring ye all the tithes unto the storehouse. And we believe that the storehouse tithing means you uh, commit and do bring your tithe to this local church, which in, the, in the, every uh, word that's translated in the Bible that is rendered for storehouse is a, a temple, a tabernacle, it's a place of worship. And this in the church age is what we would call the storehouse. The local church, body of believers, worshiping together is uh, the storehouse of this age of the church. So Malachi commanded it, but then Paul continued it. And he, he wrote uh, many things about giving. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I started writing this uh, material, I was looking in my New Testament and uh, I was looking for where it said New Testament Christian. When you get paid, sit down and calculate 10% of your gross pay and write it out and uh, put, it, uh, put your check in the Bible and then when you get to church, uh, you'll have it and you can put it in the plate when a man brings it by. And so I looked all through the Bible and I never did see that. I wanted to find in the New Testament where Paul said, Y'all better bring that tithe in here because it's pleasing to God. That's the purpose of it. It's, uh, I'll tell, talk more about the purpose in a minute, but the uh, bottom line is it pleases God to do it. I couldn't find all that. I found things where it said to give regularly and to give generously and give cheerfully and all of this kind of thing. And then 
I was thinking, why, why, why is that? And I prayed about it, and God gave me an answer. Here's the answer uh, that God gave me about what Paul wrote was, if the Old Testament Jew, under the law, could be required at certain times to give as much as 20% or even over that through festivals and feasts and things of that nature, that's the Old Testament Jew living under the law. How can we as a New Testament believer in the church age living under grace rather than mercy? They, the Old Testament Jew is asking for mercy. We have grace. God's grace saves us from our sins, makes us believers, guarantees us a home in heaven. 10% ought to just be our starting point. We ought not to even have a limit on how much we're going to give. It, it's, it's amazing what God will do if you have turn your fingers loose. If He has to pry stuff out of your hands, that might hurt. But if you turn it loose, that's pleasing to Him. Uh, we'll talk more about that, but I'm just saying, Paul continued it, and, and then the final comment I'll make about the, uh, what the Bible says about the tithe is that Jesus commended it. In Matthew 23, verse 23, where He was scolding uh, the people about their uh, just being possessed or are totally focused on doing other things and doing the, the I mean doing the tithe down to like grains of salt. They were just being so particular and legalistic in the way they went about it. He fussed at them. He said, This you ought to do, talking about the tithe, but he said there's other forms of ministry and worship that you're neglecting. So in that verse, Jesus commended the tithe. And uh the, there's, a, there's a great uh, value in understanding what Jesus liked, what He commended, what He instructed. Always try to find out what Jesus had to say about something. And there, He commended the tithe. So let's move on and talk about the proportion. When the Bible talks about the tithe, if you remember I said in Abraham gave a tithe of all. Uh, Jacob pray, prayed a prayer and he said, I will give a tenth of all. And then... Uh, Moses said, uh, bring uh, the first fruits. And, uh, and then uh, uh, Malachi said, bring ye all the tithes to the storehouse. He didn't, he, none of these instances of biblical instruction exclude anything that I can uh, identify. And so it comes down to being all. After Calvary, how can we... Do less. So the proportion is all. People ask me, do, should we tithe on the gross or should we tithe on the net? And I say, well, uh, do you want God to bless the gross or do you want God to bless the net? And uh, the answer is simple. Uh, the Bible says all. And then uh, they say, uh, what about uh, giving money somewhere else? Uh, can we count that? And Well, we're getting kind of legalistic when we start splitting hairs like that, but I'll tell you what the Bible says. The place to bring your tithe is in Malachi 3.10 in the storehouse. In 1 Corinthians 16.2. And so, uh, some people say, well, Bill, that's uh, Scripture for Old Testament uh, 
times of legalism. And I say, no, it is not for the Old Testament. The tithe came before the law was given. When Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, there was no legal system in place for their behavior except to worship God and know that He's the one true God. And so it precedes the, the uh, law and it extends past the law. It's still in effect. And if you don't believe it, try it. I've told thousands of people, hundreds of thousands actually, the importance of tithing. I've never had one person call me and say, I wish I hadn't done that. But I've had many emails and telephone calls and all and said, I wish I started this a long time ago. It's one of the best things that ever happened to us. And the purpose of it is kingdom work. It's kingdom work. You know, to win anybody, like this person that was baptized over here a while ago, man, that's, they're rejoicing in heaven when things like that occur. But uh, to win all is impossible, but to win any is expensive. To win some is imperative, but to win one is triumphant. And kingdom work, now let me tell you simply how this God's economy works. I'm a lost person. I'm not giving money to anything for any purpose, not charitable or otherwise. And so I get saved. I move into a different phase of my life where I'm saved under the blood of Jesus and have a relationship with God that way. And, and, and uh, I begin to tithe. So my money goes into the church. The church does outreach, mission work, provides facilities, and all that kind of thing. And that is kingdom work. And so Robbie talked about it in his prayer. He talked about it when he was talking about how you reach a, or the sun never sets on your mission arm of this church because of people tithing and giving offerings. And so that's God's economy. Saved, lost people get saved. They begin to tithe. The money circulates through the kingdom work and other people are saved. Now how simple is that plan? This, this is about as simple as salvation is what I told you a while ago. It's so simple a child can understand it. So now, it's kingdom work. And then, uh, uh, I've, I've already told you that uh, uh, Paul, I mean, the tithing was instituted before the law and uh, it extends beyond it. Now, that's an important thing to know. Now, let me say, God, Malachi said people were robbing God. That's why they were cursed. They said in Malachi chapter 3, you are cursed with a curse. They said, how are you cursed? Because you have robbed God. And it was written there, and I've got to thinking about what are three ways that people rob God. The first way I thought of was not paying tithes and offerings at all. Christians rob God every time they fail to tithe, but yet they still people want the blessings of God. I've counseled uh, 8,000 plus hours with church people in churches, helping them with uh, personal issues and some of them being financial. And a lot of times the, the problem is the root problem is they're not faithful in their Christian walk and they need to become faithful. So they're not giving at all. Or then some people 
just withhold a part of the tithe. They give some money, but they don't give the tithe. And, and they, one preacher told me, he said, Brother Bill, my people are not tithers, they're tippers. I think about when we go out to eat. I ate in Dublin, Georgia on the way up there last night. Calculated a tip, put it on the tab, sign that thing, turn it in, and uh, some people treat God that way. They just tip God, and, and uh, they'll give a waiter 20 or 30% of whatever they give. I've, I've started out at 10, and sometimes it's a stretch I'll go to 15. But uh, if I get really blessed, I might give a little extra, but not much. I'm telling you, uh, God's people, uh, some of them are tippers, they're not tithers. Then, uh, not paying your tithe or bringing your tithe into the storehouse. So people ask me, well, what I send money to this TV preacher? Or I buy a prayer cloth or something like that. Boy, I'm telling you, that, it's some of the most ridiculous stuff going on. Uh, I woke up the other night late on TV, and it was a real uh, crackpot on there, and he was, he was selling blessings, man. You send him money, he'd get you a blessing. Uh, that's not the way it works. God takes care of you within His will when you're obedient. And part of what He sends me to do is call the church to obedience. Now I know uh, Trinity is a given church. I've been here before and counseled a lot of people here. And it's exciting to be back and see how it's grown and, and, and all that. But still, we can all do better. Uh, one person came up and asked me about us giving money to a faith healer. And I said, uh, a faith healer told me about it. And I said, I think I know that faith healer. I know about it. And I said, is that the one that wears glasses? And she said, yeah. I said, well, how come he don't heal his eyes? You know? So uh, if you tithe to the storehouse, you're obedient to God, and that's the end of your responsibility right there, unless you're in leadership or decision-making or whatever to, to the church. And those people that make those decisions and are stewards of the general budget offerings here are to be trusted and, and because it's between God and them. And, of course, that doesn't mean you don't check the books every now and then and make sure deposits are made and there's, there's certain things you do to, you know, to safeguard to be good stewards. Three benefits of tithing. When the pastor asks for it, your blood pressure won't go up. It's good for your health. The Bible says anytime you do something that makes you more healthy, you feel better. The doctors say stress causes things like high blood pressure. When you're obedient in a tithe and you receive a uh, just knowing uh, spiritual blessing in your life, you just it just blesses you to do it, then you'll feel better all over. When the offering plate goes by, you won't feel guilty. Now, we, nobody tries to make anybody feel guilty because what every individual does is between them and God. Nobody's checking behind you. It's a, it's a trust arrangement. But uh, what they, what they uh, told me about this bank robber who uh, he came into the, the bank. He was dressed nicely. He gave a uh, note over to the teller and said, Give me your money. This is a holdup. She looked at that guy for a minute. She wrote him a note, handed it back to him, and said, Sir, straighten your tie. They're taking your picture. 
That's what it, that led me to think what I asked the preacher that night. How does God know whether you tithe or not? He talked to me about omniscience and explained it all to me. And the way I got it, I was in Aiken County, South Carolina. He said, a secret sin in Aiken County is an open scandal in heaven. And so I think about that and I say, well, when you're robbing God, everything is known about what you do. Tithing is another way of saying to the Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Now the, the thing that really is exciting to me is when I meet Jesus, I will have the distinction of having been obedient. I went to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Brother Robbie, when I was younger and in business and had to be down there a week. I was, uh, had hair and I was more physically fit than I am now. And, you know, I was in the lobby at a hotel on Thursday night. It was, it was, uh, been away from home since uh, Monday morning. It was getting kind of lonely. I was walking through the gift shop looking at stuff and thinking about getting home to my family and my wife. Somebody came up to me and spoke to me from behind. And, of course, I didn't see them at first, but when they put they pushed their body up and just rubbed on me a little bit, you know, and I could, if you're a man, you know what I'm talking about. I knew uh, that, that wasn't supposed to be going on, so I looked around, and she was in a gift shop, but she wasn't looking to buy a gift. And so I turned around and tried to engage her in a conversation about spiritual things, and, uh, and she disappeared pretty quick. She didn't hang around to hear the whole gospel, which only I can share it in about 60 seconds. That, I wasn't the kind of client she was looking for. So I went upstairs, and I sat on the bed, and I had a Bible laid there. I guess it was a Gideon Bible, and it had Holy, Holy Bible on the front gold letters on some dark color. And that thing was like a neon sign saying, Holy Bible, Holy Bible, Holy Bible. I began to think, man, I go in this corporation, I'm a, I'm a lone wolf most of the time. I'll be the only Christian that'll, that'll witness to people and, and let the corporation know I'm a Christian and I stand for Christian morality and I stand for biblical uh, advice in making decisions and I'm telling you in our corporations today that is out the window no way do they want anything like that in the kind of boardrooms that I was privileged to go into and I thought about that they were just watching me waiting on me to stump my toe they figured I'd be like uh, others and and uh, do something unholy and uh, get make, bring a bad bring reproach upon the Lord and then I thought about my wife I thought about the three kids I had at home and they were all looking at me to be the spiritual leader. I thought about the Sunday school class I had with about, you know, uh, dozens of people in it. That they looked at me for spiritual guidance every week and the, uh, along with the preaching. I thought about all that and I said, man, I tell you, if I had a weak moment right there, I could have really stumped my toe. And then I thought about this. I had a picture in my mind. It was not a voice I heard or anything like that. It was just something I could see in my mind's eye. And it was the day when I meet Jesus. And He looked at me and He said, Bill, I sent you a woman 
in the lobby of the Marriott Hotel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for you to witness to her. And what did you do? And I could stand there like a good Christian soldier and say, I witnessed to her, Lord. I'm a military guy, and I think about those kinds of things from being in the military, but I was happy to report to my commander that I was faithful. And I believe this. As much as written about finances and money and tithing in the Bible, it's important to God as a part of our Christian lifestyle that we be found faithful. And that's what we're calling you to through the preaching of the Word of God. And I appreciate the opportunity. And I encourage you to come here at 6 o'clock because we're going to talk about the steps to financial freedom. And I hope to have time to answer any questions you have about anything that you want to ask. And uh, there's a lot going on in the world today. I study every day to be up to par and be able to deal with almost anything you ask me about. So come tonight and we'll... After I'm going to speak a few minutes and then I'm going to answer questions if you got some. So come with your questions.